Hello, celestial citizens. I'm Britt Duffy Adkins, and welcome to Continuum. The universe is expanding, and so is the space industry. With all the new developments, announcements, and launches, it can be a lot to keep up with. So we're here to help. Continuum is a news outlet that's making space news relevant for the next generation and boldly challenging the status quo. Whether it's new discoveries and developments in technology or how what we're doing in space affects us here on Earth, we'll cover it all. You can find our stories on our website, continuum-hq.com, and in our Substack newsletter, which comes out every other week. Not only does our newsletter include links to our original features, but it also contains a rundown of some of the top headlines from the week, as well as recommended space reads from around the web. And if you want to listen to Continuum Podcast as soon as it hits the airwaves, then you'll want to become a paid subscriber to gain access. For just $6 a month, you can get exclusive space content curated and sent straight to your inbox. Also, you'll help support the work of our team of creatives. You can find links on our website and how to subscribe to our newsletter in the episode subscription. Whether you're a space enthusiast or just starting to look up at the stars, we'll take the highlights from the week and share them for you here. We are the outlet providing space news for everyone. So without further ado, here's Continuum. This week, we are joined by Mekli Carroll. Mekli is a legislative analyst for the New Mexico Senate and the government affairs manager for Warp Space. He is also the mentorship coordinator for the Space Court Foundation and actively working to bring awareness to the Caribbean Space Society. Mekli, it's great to have you back co-hosting Continuum with me today. Yes, yes. I love to be back with the Queen of Space podcast. You know, you and someone else have said that recently. I don't feel worthy of the title, but I'll take it. I, I love it. Okay, so Mekli, we have some interesting things to chat about here today. Although I feel like I have to start by saying that a couple of the things that we talked about last go around still kind of relevant. One of which is that Terran 1, the world's first 3D printed rocket from Relativity Space has not yet had a successful launch. I believe that they're going to try again this Thursday. So possibly by the time this actually airs, they might have successfully launched, but we will see. I'm certainly waiting with bated breath on that Fingers one. I'm excited crossed. for it. Yeah. Yeah. So Meckley, do you want to lead us into our first topic for today to chat about? So as of recording of this podcast, we are in day two of the legal subcommittee of UNCOPIS, a.k.a. the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs. This is for the on the peaceful uses of outer space. So this is the biggest space law news that's going to be happening for the next two weeks. They'll be covering things like space resources, space debris, always still a hot topic. And yeah, two weeks, 102 countries, 50 observing states. It's entertaining. Is there anything that you're anticipating or that you're kind of hoping will come out of this legal subcommittee meeting? Hilarious takes, hilarious takes and, um, <laughs> you know, and some shots too. I was actually watching it right before we started recording because it's the live yeah. feed. So yeah. the topic was uh, agenda item 6A. It was in the definition on the delineation between outer space and airspace for suborbital flights. Right, which is like... Oh, yeah. Interesting. Not just a point of contention amongst the space billionaires, but also apparently for legal reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has been a hot topic for a while because like 
quote unquote, the unofficial line between space and our airspace is the Kármán line, which might be like 100, 110 kilometers over um, sea level. So like when Virgin Galactic and Blue Origin, when they, they went to space, they didn't hit that Kármán line. So like we have our own definition and like no one's actually put a line on it. So you have all these yeah. countries talking about giving their takes. So Russia starts off and they're saying like they've always been pro actually having a line between air and space. And then they said they had something from the USSR days, right? But then they take the shot in. They're like, you know what? Besides that, we want to make sure every country stops mentioning us when it doesn't have to do with the agenda item. This is day two and they're talking spicy. I heard that too because I was also listening and I was like, oh, they said too, they were like, we hope that the chair will address this too. But I was like, ooh, shots fired. Yeah, Yeah, only on day two, right? So I'm expecting a lot of takes. If I had the time, I'd watch the whole thing and just like record the best takes. Oh my gosh. Do you know what we should do, Meckley? This would be so fun is, I mean, we talk about this now a lot. So hopefully people are more aware of the reaction videos that Bailey and I do to For All Mankind. Mac Lee, you and I need to do a reaction video to the next UN meeting, like the UN copyist meeting. We should. I mean, we'd have to like really chop it up and speed it up so that it's not super slow. But I bet that would actually be pretty interesting because things do get salty in these meetings. People listening, like, tell us in the comments. Is that something you want to see? Do you want to see Mackley and I give our hot takes on salty UN meetings? One thing that I've always been struck by in these meetings is that it's just so wild to me. Like, we can have all this stuff going on geopolitically that feels very tense and very, you know, like right now the US and China and, you know, Russia and Ukraine and all this stuff going on. And yet, you've got these people sitting in this room and yeah, they kind of like maybe have little digs at each other or at the group or whatever. But for the most part, I'm like the fact that they're all like civilized sitting in this room right now to me is kind of wild. I mean, I know that's like global politics, but they have lunch together. I actually, when I went to Leiden, that's where I got my uh, space law master shout out to Leiden. They actually took some students to it during, it was like the 56th session when I went. And so it was cool to see that. And they're like, yeah, in between these breaks, there's a huge big cafeteria where everyone's just chilling that, you know, having drinks. Is there like a cool kids lunch table? I feel like there might be. There probably is. I haven't been there in forever, but there probably is. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, that's wild. Until you suggested that we take a look at this for today's show, I had actually never watched like the live coverage of it. And now I feel like I'm hooked. Like I started watching some of it and I was like, this is actually really entertaining yeah no it's it's entertaining trust me it's and it's only day two it's gonna they're doing this for two weeks i feel like it's like the people who watch like c-span and now i'm like maybe i should watch c-span although i don't know because i feel like american politics kind of a dumpster fire but like un it's like still at that level where it's like okay like maybe we can get things done maybe this is gonna be civilized we'll see but, i have like, a theory yeah like we'll at see end of two weeks it won't be civilized like it's gonna it's, it'll start off Ooh. civilized but even in the beginning, I remember when the U.S. went up, they were like, on their views, they're like, you know, we don't need a definition. We're already doing what we're doing. So it's like pointless to try to have this whole thing. And it's just like subtle things like that. Explain to people here the difference between this legal subcommittee meeting and then there's like the general meeting that's still coming up later this year. So what type of topics are going to be discussed in the legal meeting versus kind of like the general peaceful uses of outer space meeting? In addition, they also have like the scientific and technical meeting, which I think happened already earlier. Happened this- already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the general assembly is going to take the best of those both two meetings and put it together. That's like 
you know, it's like the trifecta of space law meetings in the UN. Not even space law meetings, space industry meetings. The general public can't go and like watch, right? No, no, like, no, other, no. I mean, no. you can just watch live. Am I making this up, or did there used to be an option at least in like the UN building in like New York, you could like visit and like tour for sure? And, like, yeah, yeah. Watch like some of the conversations happening from a back room. I don't know. I feel like I did this as a kid. I don't know about that back room part, but you could definitely tour it. Yeah, you might have had some exclusive. Some exclusive. exclusive access yeah. at the age of 10. Yeah. I mean, who Spy wouldn't kids. believe that, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on. So the other thing that I feel like we should talk about today is Virgin Orbit potentially declaring bankruptcy. I mean, wow. I'm not sure I'm surprised. Are you surprised? Yeah, I'm not surprised, which is kind of sad, though, right? It's like, and I'm like rooting for them, rooting for the whole Virgin group. But it's important to remind listeners that Virgin Orbit is separate from Virgin Galactic, but yeah. they're all under the Virgin group thing. So like, you know, if you had your space tourism tickets reserved, it's still a go. And I think that's like kind of the important point to make here, which is maybe in some way this is indicating to Richard Branson and the whole Virgin team, because like the Virgin galactic piece of it is still i think that they're still doing pretty well in terms of the public's sort of opinion of the company's viability because obviously now that they're publicly traded public sentiment is like a big portion of their success at this point the thing is is that maybe this is a sign to them that the piece that they might be successful at is more the tourism piece I mean, it just feels like there's so many different providers of satellite launch services. There is, so I'm there just is. like, maybe it's just too crowded. Too many cooks. Yeah, exactly. So maybe this is better for them in a lot of ways. They can just focus on Virgin Galactic and more the space tourism piece of it, which, I mean, there's a long line of people waiting for their Virgin Galactic flight. So I certainly think that like them putting more attention towards that is not a bad thing. That was a nice spin on uh, bankruptcy. Because, because uh, yeah. yeah, their shares are 42 cents right now. And so when they went public, their whole value was $3 billion, right? And now it's like $200 million. In the article I read, people were like, it's not even worth that. So, like, I, like, that's rough. Honestly, the people I feel bad for are all of the people that work for Virgin Orbit that are now like, you know, basically are like, oh, okay. I think that they're going to hopefully land jobs at other space companies and things like that pretty quickly. It does feel like there's a ton of consolidation happening right now in the space industry. I mean, people have been talking about that for a while. I feel like that's like the buzzword right now. Ultimately, you feel for the people that work there. I actually, not too long ago, last year, I got to tour their facilities, which was actually, you know, really cool. So, I mean, it kind of is like extra sad to me yeah. that now they're they're winding down. But I do hope that everyone will land somewhere else in the industry. It seems like some companies, I mean, are just hiring like mad right now. I don't know if you've heard this as well, but there's like certain companies out there where it just feels like they're posting a new job every single day. I guess we'll see, but definitely sad. But I think a lot of people probably saw that coming. All right, moving on from that story. So yeah, selling uh, Earth observation satellites is now a thing. If you have $10 million, courtesy of Satellogic, they're an actual... uh, company from Uruguay. They were founded in 2010. They've actually also developed Argentina's first two nanosatellites. So they have like a track record of doing some cool stuff. But now they're saying if you have $10 million, they'll sell you a satellite. And that comes with like everything with like launch support, mission support, 
they even do regulations of the ITU. You're also not subject to ITAR regulations, you know. I saw that. <laughs> that's something you might want to worry about. I mean, okay, so like, well, it's interesting because I have some thoughts about ITAR because I feel like there's so many people that are like struggling to get employment in this industry that have so much value to add. And that's very frustrating. But then you also go like, okay, interesting. Like they basically like their marketing tactic is like, if you don't want to be regulated as closely by from us, which is also kind of a little bit maybe worrisome. But I did think this was interesting. What I want to know, Meckley, is like, what kind of down payment do I need to put on a $10 million satellite? (laughs) Like, is there like a first time satellite buyers option where I can put down like 3% to get a celestial citizen satellite? That's what I want to know. That might be a video, by the way. Like, you know how you're talking about reaction videos, purchasing a satellite video. We can go on their website. I was looking at it before. Uh, I didn't go too deep into it just because I was like, what am I doing? I feel like we need to like set up a crowdfunding campaign, like celestial citizen community. Can we collect? collectively come up with and this is all I mean we can't come up with 10 million probably but I the down but, payment maybe but maybe like a three percent down payment yeah saddle logic will you work with us and just like have a 30-year mortgage on <laughs> on a satellite but yeah I do find this interesting I will say the part that I love about it though is that in some ways I don't know 10 million still feels like a lot to me obviously. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, if I'm a government, like if I'm a space agency, does this make sense? Like to buy one of these satellites? Maybe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely interesting where in some ways I go like this probably can help other emerging kind of space powers that want to, you know, have better satellite imagery that they can control and point where they want and things like that. So I don't know. In some ways, like I'm here for it. I think this is kind of interesting, maybe a little concerning the way that they're kind of like marketing it. But yeah, on the whole, I feel like it's just going to increase access to space, which I'm excited about. Exactly. It's a smart business model. I could see it being self-sustainable. I just really want to know how like their marketing department and the commercials will go. You know, be something like, do you have $10 million and an urge to spy? If so, you're in luck, you know, something like that, right? Exactly. I think you should definitely be their like marketing PR person. Like that's a great, great brand campaign. Uh, No, but it's true. I feel like there are a lot of potential opportunities here for this. So obviously it's the launching state that then bears responsibility and liability for anything that happens with that satellite, right? Yeah, you got to read the fine print. So how does that work then? Because ultimately, like, if I'm in the U.S., I've still got to have approval, right, from the powers that be? How does this work? Well, no, if you're launching from the U.S., you could be a U.S. company, right? But let's say you're not launching from the U.S., then that's a whole different thing. If you're launching from the U.S., you'll need the FAA on board. But let's say you're doing, like, even the the sea ports, the sea launches are a thing, right? You do a sea launching, and they said that not only are they outside ITAR regulation, but like NOAA regulation too. So that's a slippery slope. So let's say Celestial Citizen wants to launch a satellite for like the people to use. If we launch this out at sea using a satellite provider that is not regulated by anything, like we're basically like an unregulated public satellite. I just want to like clarify that with someone who actually has a legal background. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they do say they um, do the ITU filing, so that includes you be under the registration convention, so you should be, according to them, like, you should be in check as far as international treaties are concerned, Yeah, but you won't need the FCC or the FAA 
know, approval if you go and do them. We're not looking to be a bad actor. And I, I and I and for people listening that don't know us that well, like we do not have the money to do this. So I just want to like really clarify this is a deeply theoretical conversation. Disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer. But it's just an interesting thought exercise, right? But yeah, of course, for as many people who might just want access and don't have nefarious reasons for doing this, maybe there's also some that have other questionable tactics at play. I don't know. So we'll see how that unfolds and see if there's any buyers. I wonder if they'll make that public. Oh, yeah, true, true. Like if they do a big campaign, because you go on their website, that's the first thing that pops up. It's like their new... Yeah, yeah but like campaign. once people buy them, like is that going to be public? Like oh, if true, you, true, you know true, what I true, mean, true. or like who not. the customers are? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like from a business point, they probably like they wouldn't make that info public. But you could probably match it though if you're one of those people, like the dude who tracks like Elon's jet kind of thing. You know, mm. you can track the registration <laughs> convention and be like, all right, so all of these satellites were registered around this time, so kind of play some detective work. And now a quick word from our gold sponsor, Multiverse Media. We are currently witnessing the birth of a robust, sustainable economy within cislunar space. What is cislunar space? Well, it's the part of space that ranges from low Earth orbit out to geostationary orbit and then beyond toward the moon's surface. This cislunar economy will involve a much more interconnected paradigm for space development. For a snapshot and user guide to the players and opportunities ahead, New Space Global, a multiverse media property, has produced a report titled Cislunar Market Opportunities. To get your copy, please go to cislunar.report and use coupon code CITIZEN10 for 10% off a single user license. Thank you again to Multiverse Media for sponsoring Celestial Citizen this year. Now, back to the show. The last story that we're going to talk about today before the super fun chat GPT powered lightning round is that Rolls Royce announced that they were actually going to be working on a nuclear reactor plan, I guess, for a potential lunar base. And they received some funding from, and I want to just gut check this, but I believe they received funding from the UK Space Agency. Yeah. So basically, Rolls-Royce is due to receive 2.9 million pounds or 3.5 million US dollars to research how a nuclear reactor could function on the moon. This is pretty interesting to me only because I feel like any talk about use of, you know, nuclear energy is a bit contentious. People have a lot of opinions about it. But frankly, we're going to really have to figure out how we're going to power everything that we're planning to do on the lunar surface. And I know people are looking at also, you know, sort of space-based solar power options and things like that. But it does feel like if we really want to get serious about an eventual surface operation base community, whatever you want to call it, it does kind of feel like nuclear reactors are going to be something we'll have to at least explore. So personally, I'm really here to learn more and and find out what they discover in this research study. Personally, I'm here to find out why Rolls-Royce Like, what's their interest in space, right? Yeah, I also was like, (laughs) at first I was like, oh, this is interesting. But apparently 
Rolls Royce has like a whole futures program. So one of the people quoted in this article, Abby Clayton, is the director of future programs for Rolls Royce. So yes, Meckley, I am with you. I'm going to be doing a little Googling after this to learn what is Rolls Royce up to. That's unexpected. Because I get the connection between the UK Space Agency because like Rolls Royce is a British company. So I was like, I see that connection, but... What was the initial thing? I guess, yeah, so you said this, this futures program that they have. I mean, I don't know. It is interesting because I feel like there's a lot of companies that like quietly are working on like very like out there things. It just goes to show how much interest there is in kind of like future planning and whatnot. Also, shout out to Kara Kunzman, who was on Celestial Citizen podcast last week where we were talking about foresight planning. And she is the lead futurist over at the Aerospace Corporation. And I think that the work that she's doing is super interesting. And so I'm always excited to hear when people are sort of quietly working on trying to figure out the future. I think that's cool. A shout out to companies that are doing that. Nokia actually have a deal with NASA to put a cell tower out there. You know, I mean, that's in their their wheelhouse, I guess. I'm always like fascinated because obviously for every company that is kind of interested in space, which is always exciting, there's then like Patagonia just recently like put up and I love Patagonia. I was like, Patagonia, don't do me like that. And so they literally put up a sign. It was like, uh, not Mars or something like that. And I was like, that argument again, you know, it's like, it's frustrating to me because obviously we talk a ton on here about like the importance of like the space industry, always thinking about connection back to earth. How do we deal with these like super serious, massive issues, like the climate crisis, like other things that are happening here on earth. But then you hear these companies on earth that are basically just like very close-minded about space and about possible interconnections. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, here Patagonia is like this amazing company in some respects, but then I'm a little disappointed that they're so short-sighted about seeing this interconnected system of earth and space. Classic, classic. I'm still mad at Matthew McConaughey about that Salesforce ad. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, I was like, Matthew McConaughey, like you were in Interstellar. Like good luck getting another role in a Christopher Nolan movie. Like, that's not happening anytime soon. Can you describe it real quick for people who might might not remember? Or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so basically in this commercial, Matthew McConaughey is like in his like interstellar looking like astronaut suit. And uh, was he in a hot air balloon or something like that? I'm trying to remember. I thought he was on the field, but it was like... I, I it don't was know. I don't know. Hot air balloon yeah. field, something like that. The point of the commercial is talking about how like we don't need to go to space like we've got everything we need right here and like we basically need to take care of it well okay yes fair like that's like valid points i don't think anybody is saying like oh let's all jump in a spaceship and leave earth like where are we gonna go real quick who was the commercial for? Salesforce. And then there was a Salesforce. <laughs> yeah, like, which guess. also I was like, what yeah. does Salesforce have to do? It might have been with Beef Space Force. It might have been some like name beef or something. Like we could be the only force out there. <laughs> and yeah, and that's why they had you to think do that's shots. What it was. Maybe I don't know. I feel like it's almost a battle of the billionaires. So there's like the Earth focused billionaires and the space focused billionaires. And it's like, Mm. I honestly think that some of these narratives are just because we have these like big ego individuals. For sure. And I'm like, we're all arguing with each. That's what they want. That's what they want. Let's not like devolve into these like illogical arguments of like focusing on these things, right? At the end of the day, I've said this for a while. 
I feel like because of the attention that the billionaires get in the space industry, it's actually not good for the space industry as a whole because that is how people see us. And they miss that, like, all this other wonderful work that people are doing. Preach. All right. Well, Mickley, all right, we got to move on to this lightning round. All right. So let's see here. People that are just joining us for the first time. Disappointing. No, just kidding. (laughs) Hopefully you've been listening to us along the way. But if not... This last section is really just for fun. It is a chat GPT fueled conversation. So I have used the chat, the GPT. Like, I don't know, what are we calling it? It needs a name, right? Like, chat GPT is too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It needs to be like Bob or something. Or like Hal 8000 or something. Oh my God. So funny you brought that up because I was doing this late last night in preparation for this. Okay. So I prompted it. I was like, okay, I want some like what's worse, this or that format style questions like for a Space News podcast. And one of the questions took me about, I was like sitting there. It was like late at night. It was like dark. I was the only one up in my house. And literally one of the questions I was like totally creeped out by. Okay, oh, do you want to hear it? I'm like a little yeah, concerned. Sure. And I'm, oh, you know, like I'm like, oh God. Okay, so basically one of the questions was what's worse your spaceship's AI system malfunctioning and turning against you or your spaceship's AI system becoming so obsessed with you that it starts stalking you? Should I be concerned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might have been some weird foreshadowing. I was like, oh my God, like AI is prompting me to think about AI turning against me or stalking me. And I was like, what? Meckley, I was scared. That's wild. I was scared. No, I was no, like, I was like, the, like the next big panic moment for me is if, because you know, like, who knows where Kevin Spacey is right now? I don't know. Like, he got canceled <laughs> a long time ago. I was thinking to myself, like, in Moon, it's like Kevin Spacey is like the AI, and so like in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like I'm hearing Kevin Spacey's voice saying this right now, and I'm like terrified. Then I was like, it's time to close the computer. It's time to, it's yeah, time to stop. Yeah, that was a good tonight. one. That was a good move. Yeah. That was a good but move. But like, is that not creepy? Talk about AI and chat GBT. Like, nah, that's kind of on brand. And people say, the, you know, the point of singularity where technology reaches that point, it's supposed to be like 2045. But then they're like, uh, well, the way things are going now, it's like 2030. Yeah. <laughs> like things are, well, things are speeding things up. Be concerned. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, and now I'm like, yeah. okay, like, great. Like, so glad that like my AI is thinking about scenarios in which AI turns on people or stalks them. Hmm. Hmm. Not so wholesome, chat GPT. Not so wholesome. Maybe let's just move on. That that one freaks yeah. me out. So what's worse, getting lost in space or being stuck in an elevator with Elon Musk? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's a yo, chat GPT taking shots. I know. Oh. I was like, I didn't even prompt it. That was number one, actually. I want to say it depends how long you're stuck in this elevator for. There's like a time, you know, is it like, are you in stuck forever? I mean, maybe if the elevator is being controlled by like an AI, you know, overlord. I'd say, yeah, that, that'd be the worst. Because like if you're stuck in space, you might stumble onto some like cool wormhole that brings into some cool galaxy where everything's cotton candy. Yeah, I mean, I think my response would be like getting lost in space is like kind of an experiment. And at least, yeah, you're going to discover something interesting probably. Exactly. Being stuck in an elevator with Elon, I feel like I can anticipate how that would go. Not good. I think getting lost in space, you're bound to learn something interesting. I wonder though, like, because I feel like we build these people's personas up like in our mind too, though. Do you think he is as insufferable on an individual level as he is on like the public stage? No, 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 no. He's probably, yeah. 
Or like, I don't know, maybe he is. He might be. It's, <laughs> it's funny because I think of like knowing people who've met him and I've heard people say certain, but like, yeah, I don't really like judging people like that. You'd have to really see one-on-one to meet them on their level. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to give someone a chance. Well, also, like, I am, like, very claustrophobic. So, like, being stuck in an elevator with anyone would be, like, my worst nightmare. Like, I could be stuck with my husband in an elevator and I'd be like, this is it. This is the end. Like, I'm not making it out of here. So, I feel like that would only be worse. Anyway, (laughs) what's worse? Discovering intelligent life on a distant planet only to find out they're huge fans of Nickelback or discovering they're actually just highly advanced house cats. I don't know why there's so much shade on house. What's cats. worse? Yeah. What's yeah, worse? What you, how, yeah, house cats are cool. Like that's yeah. cool that there are advanced like, house cats you could talk to them. I, I mean, I take that over fans of Nickelback. For sure, the Nickelback thing is worse. Yeah, for sure. No offense, Nickelback fans. <laughs> Try to isolate y'all. What's worse, being stranded on Mars with only Matt Damon for company, or being stranded on a space station with Matthew McConaughey for company? Yeah, I know you said you have shade with the term Matthew McConaughey I from before. Yeah, but I also but... don't trust Matt Damon because of his shadiness in Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that, like, God. him being in two astronaut roles around the same time, it's like those roles blur to me. So I'm like, is he cool? Is he not cool? And it's very hard for me to, like, watch The Martian now because I feel like he's, like, up to no good. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> no, no, I mean... I see how the blur happens, though. I could definitely see how the blending with that. It's like I had such a negative reaction to him in Interstellar because that kind of blindsided me a little bit. I was not expecting that. And then I was like, no. Hopefully this is not yeah, a spoiler. Yeah. I mean, that movie's been out for years. So, like, honestly, if you haven't seen Interstellar, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, that's a top 10 for me, Interstellar. Great, great film. For sure. Me as a New Yorker, though, and because, like, Matt Damon's from Boston, so there's this, mm. like, uneasiness like that, even though I'm sure he's probably a great a decent person so i'd say that would be worse than chilling with matthew mcconaughey yeah i also feel like matt damon maybe it's just because of the martian feels like he is like crafty and a problem solver matthew mcconaughey in a lot of ways like because of his persona being like so chill and laid back like i feel like that would get really annoying in space yeah you're right that's a good point do you need somebody who could problem solve not someone who's just like everything's good like nothing's a problem sometimes there's a lot of problems in space actually uh what's worse being recruited for a one-way mission to colonize Ooh, chat gpt with that colonizing language a distant planet only to find out it's populated entirely by clowns or being recruited for a one-way mission to a planet where the only food source is brussels sprouts what's worse being surrounded by clowns yeah Yeah, obviously i love brussels sprouts also. Yeah, I've had amazing crispy <laughs> some spots. Yeah. Can really cook it up. <laughs> I just it was interviewing Elliot Roth, who's CEO at Spira, about algae. And apparently there's a type of algae that kind of tastes like bacon when you fry it up. I've heard of that. I've heard of so that. So you could have yeah. like Brussels sprouts and this bacon flavored algae. That sounds pretty good. I'd be down Damn, for that. Damn, lunchtime. Yeah, that's not a bad space meal. All right, what's worse, accidentally floating away into the void of space, gravity style, or accidentally floating into a black hole and being spaghettified? Yo, being spaghettified is so worse, don't you what? think? No. What? No. Dude, spaghettify me. I'm here for that. Accidentally floating away into the void of space is like loss of control and darkness. That would be such a bad way to go. Like you can't control anything about that. At least if you're like going into a black hole, you're like, this is a new experience. Let's have it. 
spaghettify me. The end happens real quick. Yeah, I guess it happens. Yeah. It's a real quick, quick end. And then, like, I don't know who knows what happens after you're spaghettified, but I'd like to find out. I'd be okay with that. Pretty sure pretty, <laughs> you're still spaghettified, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you come back together, yeah. At the age of, like, you know, 99, I'd, like, volunteer for that mission. I'd be like, send me into a black hole, people. I'm ready. Yeah, Interstellar made me less afraid of black holes, so. Yeah. I'd be down for that. I mean, I, there was, like, some science. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there's, like, a book about, like, the science behind Interstellar. Like, they definitely consulted Kip Thorne at Caltech about that film. Although I know a lot of people are like, this is so wild. Like, there's no way that this is at all based on, like, any possible reality. I don't know. I need to believe that some of that is, like, based on something that's possibly true. Because that would be cool. And also because love's the only thing that transcends dimensions of time and space. Mm, That's true. You brought that up on the last one, I think, too. Who said it in the film? Do you remember? Yeah, Dr. Dr. Man. When they were deciding which planet to go to. Yeah. And then he called her out being in love with the other dude. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Ugh. And if they'd have chosen that, oh, what? Yeah, Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. Interstellar. Such a great one. All right. What's worse, being sent on a mission to explore a planet made entirely of candy, but discovering it's inhabited by terrifying gingerbread men, or being sent Ooh. to a planet that's completely dark and inhabited only by spooky ghosts? Damn, a spooky ghost. So it wasn't just ghosts. There's yeah, spooky like ghosts. Absolutely not. Like after seeing Stranger Things, I'm like, I don't need to experience the upside down. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather be on the gingerbread eating world. Because like at least if it's like if they're terrifying, your defense mechanism is like they're cookies. So like you can take a bite, right? That's true. That's true. Sounds like they could take a bite out of you though. I mean, so maybe. It's equally- <laughs> Also, like, how big are they? Like, are they the size? Like, are they, like, six inches tall? Or are they, like, giant? You know, that, like, really changes the way I think about this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that one was totally silly. This one's actually, like, a little more interesting. And this is our last one here. What's worse, your spaceship crash landing on a planet with no way to contact Earth or your spaceship landing on a planet where the only intelligent life forms are hypercritical space critics who mercilessly critique everything you do? ChatGPT, I think you used versions of critical and critics and everything like so many times. That was a lot. Also, that felt like a very loaded question. That is a very, <laughs> yeah, that is a very loaded question. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in a one of space critics. Yeah, I'm not trying to just like, yeah, I'd rather go on the other planet and not be able to contact Earth and maybe hopefully like meet other intelligent beings who aren't so critical. That's how I would pick it too. Because like, I don't know, that planet doesn't sound super fun. All right. Well, Meckley, this is a fun session today. I feel like we had uh, some good chats here today and ChatGPT really came in with some uh, some strong content, if not a little creepy at times. But I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles on the candy planet with the terrifying gingerbread men. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much, Meckley. Appreciate you being here. Yes. Thanks for having me. Great takes. And it's always a pleasure with the Queen of Space podcast. This episode of Celestial Citizen Podcast is in part sponsored by the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program. This first-of-its-kind interdisciplinary program offers certificate, Master of Science, and PhD degrees for professionals around the world interested in the emerging field of extraterrestrial resources. The program focuses on developing core knowledge and design practices for effective and responsible identification, extraction, 
and use of resources in the solar system to enhance space exploration and enable the new space economy. To learn more about the MIND Space Resources Program, educational opportunities, and research activities, check out its webpage at space.minds.edu. Thank you again to the Colorado School of Mines Space Resources Program for your sponsorship this year. And as a reminder, if you want to check out our original features, head to our website, www.continuum-hq.com. You can follow us on Instagram and at continuum.hq and Twitter at continuum underscore HQ. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast by subscribing to the paid version of our Substack newsletter so you can stay up to date with everything that's going on in space. Tune in two weeks from now to keep up to date with all the cool stuff happening up in that big, beautiful cosmos we're all floating around in. This is Continuum, one giant leap every other week.